0: trying to connect the dots to how I got here you know one of the first times I got into content creation because you know I think that that's really what I identify more as as a a content creator and I'll talk about why in in a bit but was in eighth grade I was in charge of putting together the middle school news segment so every month they would get all of the kids to watch those TVs they had hung up in the corner of the classroom
1: podcast junkies episode 311 welcome back i'm your host harry duran if you are new to the podcast this is the show where we seek out interesting voices in podcasting get them to kick back their heels and talk about their shows and whatever else is on their mind or what's going on in their lives regular listeners welcome welcome back always love rolling out the carpet for you as i appreciate you coming back and spreading the word about this show to folks you've come across which you've done and i appreciate thank you so much In case you missed last episode, we had a great conversation with Ranjay Gulati. He's a professor at the Harvard School of Business and shared the insights he's gained from his podcast and book and the importance of discovering purpose in your life. It was a great conversation. Ranjay was very open about the humble realization that there's a lot more to learn in life and the importance of sharing one's purpose with others. I really appreciate him taking the time from his busy schedule to share his insights on the show, so make sure you check that out. This week, Hector and I have been connecting on Twitter for several months now, probably maybe over a year, and he is the host of his own podcast. And what's been interesting for Hector is that he started his journey of content creation in the eighth grade, and we'll hear that story shortly. But he found his podcast calling in 2017 after working in sales and being unsatisfied with his long commutes. It's a familiar story that I've heard before. He found inspiration in online marketing and social media and then created a successful Facebook group and YouTube channel. This all eventually led to his podcast Front Row Dads and a podcast that supports his podcast production company as well. Through hundreds of interviews, he's honed his skills as a host and gained valuable insights on the impact of conversation on people's worldviews. We talk a little bit about his personal journey and the lessons he's learned from direct sales and his journey as a father. High energy, lots of fun in this conversation. I know you'll like it. If you're enjoying this episode or past episodes, I'd love it if you leave it a rating and a review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash podcastjunkies. Nothing would make me happier than read those out on future episodes. Okay, before we get into this fun conversation with Hector, here are a few words from the folks that support this show. This episode is brought to you by Focusrite and specifically the Scarlet 2i2 sound card, one of my favorite go-to sound cards, something I use for each and every podcast recording, the 3G line is a go-to for all new podcasters find out more at podcastjunkies.com forward slash focus right and the link will be in the show notes as well okay hector santi esteban thank you for joining me on podcast junkies my friend it's great to be here
0: i'm glad we're finally doing this
1: yeah i just wanted to get recording because we were going to start chatting but this the best part of these conversations is just like shooting the shit and seeing where they go so i know we got connected probably just through socials i think just started popping up on my radar I think probably through Twitter and I'm trying to think where else. Do you remember like when was the first time we crossed paths?
0: Probably Twitter, maybe LinkedIn. I don't really go anywhere else on social. It seems like that's the those are the two places where podcasters I think Facebook sometimes a little bit has some podcasting, but I don't really do a whole lot of Facebook. So LinkedIn and, and Twitter, I'm sure, is where we, we got connected. Yeah,
1: so no surprise to regular listeners, the show's been going since 2014. So, But you've come on the scene fairly recently. So first of all, where's home for you? Where are you calling in from?
0: Yeah, I'm in Orange County right now in SoCal, where when it dips below like 55, it's freezing. So... That's where we're at right now. And I
1: just finished shoveling the driveway of snow this morning. <laughs> so. <laughs> there are levels
0: to this. Yeah, there are levels.
1: It's new to me because I grew up in New York. So grew up with the cold. So I was, I was used to it. And then I moved to LA. I was in LA for four years. So that was a spoil there. And like you said, all you need is a hoodie in your backseat of your car and you're good.
0: <laughs> yeah, your bodies will adapt. It will.
1: I've been outside here in like 30 degree weather in a t-shirt and I'm just like, that's oh, okay. <laughs> it's not a problem. <laughs> so it's interesting.
0: That's why I'm not afraid to say I'm a wimp when it comes to weather. Because I know if if and when people move out to here, they'll be the same way. So, yeah.
1: So talk a little bit about your podcasting journey. Like where did it start and uh, how did you start getting involved?
0: Yeah, well, podcasting specifically started in about 2017 is when I you know got into podcasting. I think for me... When I look back on it, I look back on, you know, trying to connect the dots to how I got here. And, uh, you know, one of the first times I got into content creation, because, you know, I think that's really what I identify more as, as a content creator. And I'll talk about why in a bit, but was in eighth grade, I was in charge of putting together the middle school news segment so every month they would get all of the kids to watch those TVs they had hung up in the corner of the classroom and somehow we had some CCTV thing routed in where we could go from our old school it was like the first IMAX it was the one that were all different colors and people were all you know freaked out by the different colors because up until then everything was just you know very black and white MS DOS Microsoft Word kind That's of stuff That's my era and so when I got well, when I got a chance to, you know, into iMovie, I was just blown away by how easy they made it to put together these videos. And so we would go out and we would interview people on the yard and we would put together these funny little silly segments, kind of like what they do now, where they interview people on the street. We would do that and we would, you know, highlight different news stories and things. And it was my, really, it was my way to get out of class. It was my excuse to go. And I'd say, you know, I got to go work on the, you know, we called the LPN. I'd say, you know, Miss, I got to go work on the LPN and it, but really, we would mess around for hours just adding this and trying that and so that was the first time that i kind of got into media and that kind of went away for a little bit through high school and even through college i did kind of did sports and i got into sales after college while i was trying to pay my way through school and find my way but in 2015 about i met my wife and there was one time where i was coming home from la traffic and i was took me two and a half hours. You might have experienced something like that. It took me two and a half hours to just go from Santa Monica to, like, we live by the airport, and it was just a Thursday, and I got home, and I, you know, the tacos were cold, and I was so, you know, she was asleep, I think. I don't know. It was just something It really hit me where I said I had to find something different than this regular. It wasn't a nine-to-five, because I kind of had my own business, and I was self-employed, but I was commuting, you know, hours, three hours sometimes a day. And not going very far either, just leaving at the wrong times and going the wrong direction, you know, wrong direction in LA, which can really, you know, really kill you. And so I kind of dove into all these things and I found online, you know, online marketing and this whole social media thing. I, you know, stumbled onto Gary V's and the Grant Cardone's and all these kinds of people who, you know, were talking about how to make a living online and Over the next maybe three or four years, I kind of did everything under the sun trying to figure out how to make money online. You know, I I had a Facebook ad agency. I did, you know, websites. I was doing funnels. I was doing all these kinds of things. And I got some real traction creating a Facebook group And a YouTube channel for a really niche marketing audience. It was like a really, really niche audience. And we did well. We had a Facebook group of about 15,000 people that was thriving. And, you know, there were dozens of posts, you know, on a almost daily basis. And it was a really engaging community. And, you know, the YouTube channel was growing. But the industry really took a turn. There was some weird, you know, it was right when Zuckerberg was getting in trouble. And there was a lot of industry things that really made it not as. I wasn't as passionate about it because of the way and the trajectory that it was going. And also, it just, it wasn't something that I saw being a long-term possibility or something that I can continue to, to put my stake in. And so right around that time, I started looking around and one of my friends, he had a podcast called Front Row Dads Podcast, it's actually something really involved in that community now. And it's a, you know, I've become a dad over that time period. And so in anyways, but we started doing... Is that for doing...
1: first-time dads or just anyone who's a dad or...
0: That, it's a dad's group for... What was the word you put before dads? Is it for what kind of death?
1: First time? No.
0: I mean, there are guys in there who's, they're empty nesters, you know, and they <laughs> are, you know, so it runs the gamut. And I guess to, a quick plug about that community is it's the, the motto is uh, men with businesses, not businessmen with families. And that's kind of the ethos is that, you know, all of them are very high power people and successful people, but, you know, they put their family first. And so in any case, that show, which started, you know, around that time, we got hired to do their social media clips. And, you know, a lot of those put the captions on and the little clips and on Instagram is, you know, where we're kind of doing it at that time. And we got another client doing that and we started getting another and we found that a lot more of these podcasters needed help do with their social media and with their growth. And so that kind of, you know, just by nature, I don't know, we just kind of pivoted into that. And over that time period, what I realized is that, The best way to grow a show yes you can do these cool things on social media and there's marketing tactics and you know there's all these tactics but the best way to grow a show is to actually make a show better and so we started doing a lot more of the production we started doing a lot more of the development and we kind of have built ourselves into you know a full service production company that focuses mainly on interview shows which i would think is probably on the easier side of production you know We, we focus on with a lot of you know coaches and subject matter experts and you know it's been fun
1: very cool and so uh, I'm wondering, as you're thinking about your journey and you were thinking about like the shows you were inspired by, how are you thinking about the creation of your show and how are you thinking about making it different than what you had heard or how are you influenced by the shows that you'd heard?
0: Yeah, one of the first ones that I stumbled upon was Entrepreneur on Fire. There was times at my old job when I was, uh, I was a sales manager and we were a recruiter for, you know, we would do these sales recruiting where basically we would go to malls and schools and we would put flyers out on cars for hours. And so it was a great time for me because I, I stumbled on the pod- Thank God we had podcasting at that time and I didn't have to listen to like a CD or nothing. <laughs> you know, my own thoughts. Jesus. A and I, yeah. And I, I stumbled on John Lee Dumas's Entrepreneur on Fire. And one of the things that I really enjoyed was that he really brought light to a lot of different Types of businesses, and that even if I, I didn't own a bakery, or even if I didn't own wasn't a shoemaker, or all these different types of businesses, that there were lessons and and learnings and, and experiences that I can gain from. And so, at the beginning of my show, specifically Marketing Your Podcast, it was a lot of teaching and it was a lot of industry kind of experts and a lot of how to. And I think that that's great, and we're going to still kind of do that. But more recently, we've been trying to feature more in vain of like Entrepreneur on Fire, more stories of just podcasters because I think that, yes, the gurus are great, and yes, the experts are great, and all the industry people are fantastic, but there's so much to be gained and gleaned from, I don't want to call them the everyday podcasters, but the people who are podcasting every day that don't necessarily get that light shined on them.
1: Yeah. And so, how many episodes are you in now, currently? Oh, we're
0: approaching about the 100 number. I think we've got a 100, number 100 recorded. We're like, 92 published, but th- what I think what is the challenge is I've done, geez, I don't know four or five hundred interviews like this. They just didn't make it all on the podcast, and I'm only 92 episodes in of this show. I've had I don't know you know there are two or three other podcasts that are in my podcast graveyard. I had a YouTube channel that I did live streams and over a hundred I don't know two hundred YouTube videos that for some reason never made it onto a podcast no one ever thought to tell me hey this is you should put this stuff on an rss feed it's really simple all you do is you just click a few more buttons and it goes out there but i didn't think about that you know i had a couple of other shows that i had started and you you know it was big into um i don't want to say i was big into it but the thing that i really got traction from was facebook live and right around when facebook live launched their that feature was when i was trying to figure stuff out and I got a lot of organic push and a lot of organic reach by just doing daily Facebook lives. And so over that year and a half, I did I don't know hundred you know a couple of hundred lives that never got onto a podcast feed. <laughs> and so it's chall- you know it's challenging to say when people you know because I, I come at it and I I sometimes forget that I've done all of that. And so when I'm explaining something, or so here's how you do an interview or do you, you know all these things, I need to remember that it's not always. You know, a lot of people are starting at interview two or three. You know, they're one, you know.
1: So how have you grown as a host? Have you developed your interview style? Talk a little bit about what your experience was like when you first got started, your first couple episodes, and what it's like now.
0: What's interesting is I'm, I'm seeing the, the same kinds of things come through as a guest right now, just as I'm talking really fast, I'm, my heart rate is going, I'm not breathing as much. And, and that's because for me, guesting, I'm less familiar being a guest than i am a host and so i remember those things like happening right there's like there's something that happens when and i'm sure there's a biological thing you know someone can explain it right but when your heart rate you know raises and it's happening right now you can't think right it's like when you yeah, go you into fight or words flight out. mode <laughs> you can't even get the words out and so what i've had what i have realized is that over time that has relaxed a lot and i'm able to sink in a lot more to the conversations And I'm able to be a lot more present to conversation and less worried about what am I going to say, what am I going to ask, those types of things. Where at the beginning, I would come in with, you know, a very, a list of questions and I would come in with, you know, points that I wanted to hit. And although that I think it's important to have structure and important to have, you know, intentionality, I think that, you know, there's so much to be gained from just letting the conversation go where it does, you know, go where it flows, as opposed to trying to strangle it somewhere.
1: I think that's something that it just comes with time. Like I'm closing in, I think I'm at three hundred, ten plus with podcast junkies, interviews, long term interviews on my second show, Vertical Farming Podcast, probably eighty interviews. So, you know, closing in on four hundred, and like you said, it's a kind of like a growing skill set, and just by putting the reps in, you start to become comfortable in engaging and realizing what are the small things you can do to build that connection with your guests. So, you know, when I actually started with video from day one, but back then it was like Skype with call recorders, (laughs) but I knew there was a part of me that knew, I think uh, coming out of the corporate world, I was like, these people don't know who I am. So if it's, if they're just hearing me Like, I'm not going to get any like visual feedback. I'm not going to need body language. You know, if they pause for too long, I'm going to be like, hey, Hector, are are you still there? Like, I can't, like, you know, you went silent. But you know, if I ask a a compelling question, you know, sometimes you can see people like grab their chin or just look up and be like, oh, no, no one's ever asked me that before. So they're thinking, right? So, but if you've got the visual cues, it's been helpful. And now tools like Squadcast make the thing so much easier and high quality. So we've come a long way, but I think it's wanting it's having a desire to want to have that connection with your guest. You know, that's the first thing. Like when I see a podcast Yankees interview on the calendar, I'm just like, oh, it's fun. Can't wait You know to have this conversation because I, I pick the people to come on that I want to have a conversation with. <laughs> you know, it's not like just, I mean, don't get me wrong. And I'm sure this has happened. Like there's tons of people who want to come on the show and they send out the form letter. Hey, Phil, Hey, you know, parentheses, first name. I love that your show, my guest about, my lawyer friend talks about like closing deals and he would be great for your show. <laughs> like I loved your episode with fill in blank of last episode. They just, the name, I mean, it's some one of the things we put up with and it's just something that's par for the course when it comes to podcasting. And so we learned to deal with it, but I'm glad to see that that's you've matured and funny enough to bring it all full circle you mentioned john lee dumas john's a friend we found out a couple times at some of these conferences he was like my sixth guest back in 2014 and john is known for like ruthless management of his time he gives you 30 minutes and that's all you get and so i remember it was like the middle of the day and i had the questions and then i got on and i was like this is 30 minutes like i I just threw them out. I'm just like, let's just talk, man. I just, I don't have the time to like get through these questions. And it was just fun. It was just relaxing. And I was like, you know what? From then forward, I was just like, I'm just going to like, you know, the conversation will happen organically from whatever we talk about. And that's, it's been so like such a relief to know that it'll happen the way it's supposed to happen. And we will, I'll pull the threads that need to be pulled. And I'm always remembering that the listener is joining in on our conversation right now. So I just wanna, if I find it interesting, I usually find that most of the times that my listener will find it interesting as well. So that's my main focus.
0: Yeah, we're running a boot camp right now where you know there are there's a, a group of podcasters who are you know wanting to start it on their own, and and I applaud them. And so we've tried to kind of give them the. Really, the community that they need. We've had with somebody compare it to like a twelve-step program for podcasters. <laughs> but the reason I, I bring that up is that so many of them are nervous about saying the right thing, asking the right question, you know, talking about the right topic or subject. And at some point, most of them make the real, that realization that you just had that what's going to emerge is what's going to most often be right. And you know, there will be times where things go haywire, but that's a big Aha moment, a big insight. You know, you said it's like a big acceptance, right? You said it's a release, right? It's a big acceptance, a surrender, maybe, that a lot of podcasters have to make.
1: So, talk a little bit about your journey as an entrepreneur because you have the show and it's called Marketing Your Podcast, but also help people get off the ground. So, I started my agency back in 2015, Fullcast, where we help business owners launch their show as well. So, very familiar with that journey. And I was 20 years in corporate. So, I had to learn a lot of new things that I didn't know that I wasn't taught in school. And so I'm wondering what your journey was like and how it's going so far.
0: Yeah, I was lucky enough to get a direct sales job right out of high school. I graduated high school in 2009 and it was right in the... Economic—I don't know what they called it back then. It's like there's so many doom terms now. I can't keep up. (laughs) But it was the in that bad time of yeah the real estate
1: uh, crash or whatever it was dip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember.
0: And you know, typically when you graduated high school, it was like, oh, you went out and you applied at a restaurant or you applied at you know
1: yeah the mall (laughs) or you
0: know all these standard jobs that high schoolers would apply to. Well, instead, you were having thirty-four. Kind of, it's happening right now, right? But they're going and applying at those jobs. But what was happening, there was a mad, that massive layoff. And so the, all the jobs that were typically taken by high schoolers or you know teenagers were now being taken by these people that got laid off. And so for me, being a 17-year-old kid and my parents were grateful now that they had this mentality of like, we're done paying you know you get food and you have a shelter but you know we're done with you know you want to go out you want to have whatever you want to do with your life like now it's up to you and i was really grateful that they kind of pushed me out of the nest in that regard in a really loving and supportive way and and they're great you know great parents but i found a direct sales job and i think that really got me out of the box out of my box because looking back on it i was very you know, a typical introvert, I was sheltered and, and shy and, and, you know, sales, even today, right, is a thing that doesn't seem to come natural to me. It's people say, oh, you're such a great salesperson, but it's because I've had to study and learn and really, you know, really learn how to do it because it didn't come naturally. And so I say all that because my journey as an entrepreneur, I find myself going not willingly well willingly but almost hesitantly into these areas where it's going to challenge me in almost the biggest way right and kind of force me out of that shell so it was going and you know doing sales presentations and walking into people's homes and you know doing thousands of of sales presentations kind of one-to-one and, and what that opened my you know eyes to and, and kind of
1: what were you we selling
0: i was selling cutco i don't know if oh, you're yeah, the, the kitchen yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. so we it was like how i was sitting down with the uh, You know, 40, 50-year-old women at their kitchen table selling them kitchen stuff and so grateful for that because now, you know, having conversations, it's, once again, it's the same thing, right? It's all coming back and, you know, eventually that turned into becoming a sales trainer and a sales recruiter and now, you know, learning how to manage and motivate and people and teams and all these kinds of things that I just, I didn't have any experience or knowledge of that, you know, I found myself putting the pieces together to where now, when I was able to, you know, I got married and had a couple of kids and I was really grateful that I had built a business that when things got kind of crazy at home, I was able to, to step away a little bit and and have the time and flexibility to do that without having everything fall apart and, you know, and, and while still being able to manage it. So for me, like being an entrepreneur, when you, when you talk about it, it's been like trying to identify the, the skills that... I don't have and now what I've realized is that it's about like working through people now a little bit more you know much more than me learning new things I'm much more excited now about helping other people to learn and grow into what you know they're doing and incorporating that into you know into my like you know building it as a team as opposed to everybody you know building their own thing individually and siloed which is what I think I was doing prior
1: i think learning direct sales is just such an important skill set i've got a couple of friends who started down that path as well and it helps you deal with rejection fairly quickly because and and i think that's extremely important skill because as you know anyone who's an entrepreneur knows one of the things the skills that you need to learn is the basics right you need to learn marketing you need to learn sales and whether you're going to be doing it yourself or farming it out to someone you still need to know it as a business owner know the fundamentals of it and and also how to have conversations you know how to work through these calls with or meetings or with prospects and there's nothing clearer (laughs) than having doors slammed in your face you know actually or virtually or whatever it is but just getting the no 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 and then fighting through and figuring out refining that constant refinement process of just like that didn't work and it's almost like the entrepreneurial journey of this idea of like failing fast like i tried so many things before i landed on my current business model and spent a lot of money as well and then you realize like that didn't work and in the beginning you're just like whoa is me and you're just like I can't believe I just spent a thousand dollars on some silly like Facebook promo thing that <laughs> like that didn't work but then that later on you just realize like uh, you just get smarter in terms of making those decisions and figuring out what works and what doesn't and so I think it's just such an important valuable skill set and I'm wondering if that's something that was that you know that perseverance or is that something culturally related you know as a fellow latino i definitely know my dad was like you got to get out there you gotta get that job and you got to start working
0: it's interesting i mean perhaps and like i said my parents were great people and, and one thing i did take away from them is their ability to get up and go to work every day like it was never and it was like no you're going to school there's no days off type thing you know sure there was the weekends but there was definitely a a hard hat kind of mentality. You know, my mom, she was up and out to work before I ever woke up. She started at, you know, 630 every morning. And so I think that that work ethic was definitely there. But what was coming up as you were talking was this willingness to lean into things that are scary, right? And I think that, you know, for me, I don't, it's weird, because I'm introverted, but I would do things like join the speech and debate team, or, Join, you know, I was the the lead role in the middle school play and, and I was in the, you know, junior year of high school I was I won, you know, best supporting actor in the fall play So I would do these weird things where I would put myself in positions that I was really scared of and you know Usually it was for girls, but I always found a reason to do it. You That's know, there was motivation thi-
1: when you're in high school so.
0: <laughs> Yeah, I mean, most of it, but there was this willingness to try and do things that were scary and and to to kind of jump into the unknown, knowing that you're going to grab, you know, there's going to be something that you're going to gain from it, right? That there's going to be something that you're going to learn or gain from this experience. And, and the scary part is that that has just evolved over life and the challenges have just gotten scarier and scarier. And granted, the rewards and the lessons have been greater and greater. But that has been something that I've... I don't know where that came from, you know, I, my parents are great, but they, one thing that they don't have is like, you know, a growth entrepreneurial mindset, you know, they're very, they love, you know, they worked a nine to five and they're very static and they're very, they they kind of are happy in their ways and, and perhaps not, you know, perhaps, but at least they're not looking for new ways to push themselves necessarily. And that's okay. You know, I think that. That's not where they came from. And they had enough trial and strife and challenge in their life that they finally kind of made it in their heads. So they're like, "Why? (laughs) I could see that too. You know, we've been struggling for so long. Why am I going to go back into that? And I get that, you know, as I'm talking that out now.
1: Yeah, I, I totally see that because, you know, when you think about American Dream and like, I mean, I owe like immense gratitude to my dad. Like he came to this country probably in his 30s. Some I think maybe twenty eight twenty nine I do the math on that, but just I was talking to someone, my friend uh, when I was at podcast movement, and we were talking about this because it was it came up during me because I was giving a talk on podcast movement about like being inspired by people who just kind of put themselves out there and when you th- if you think about like now, like if I was thirty or if I was you know twenty seven like the thought of leaving this country to go to another country. Where i don't speak the language and should try to find a job and this is like i mean we have so much at our fingertips i mean we take it for granted right now but this is like late 70s so i mean he's it's just mind-boggling or even early early '70s. it was crazy to think about and the fact that he did that and then like for some reason you know he decided to like look at the back of a magazine about like some computer training stuff that was happening and he decided to like computers are the future and so it's like he's like he went to, back to school to like learn so learning English and then decided to like learn computers it's because of him that he, he started bringing home like the first computers that I play around with and it was just like early 80s but it was crazy and you know sometimes I think about it and I'm just like wow I don't even know if I would be capable of doing it back then but you know it's almost like that mentality of you got to do what you got to do back then so it's, it's interesting
0: yeah I'm realizing that life is probably real you know real cushy for a lot of people relative to when you know our parents and our grandparents and i can see you know myself growing up in a very sheltered and very provided for you know we didn't have a lot but we also weren't wanting for a lot either that so naturally my you know my need is to go and push myself and throw myself into challenges because i think you know i think that's we all need out of life right is growth and challenges and they're going to come one way or the other and Yeah, you do what you got to do.
1: Are you taking the entrepreneurial lead in your family?
0: You know, what's interesting is my dad had a body shop, a car repair shop when I was growing up. And uh, maybe from when I was 8 to 10 or so, every summer I would go... And, you know, sleep on the couch in the lobby and eat all the food in the vending machine. And just, I realized being a nuisance, (laughs) actually, is really really what I was, you know. Not really much of a help there. I said that I was going to go to help, but I was more, you know, they just didn't want to pay a babysitter. And I wasn't quite old enough to stay by myself yet. But, so I say that. And the weird thing is that it was a really failed... Like, it didn't work out at all. And, you know, both because my dad, I don't think, is he always wants to start these things. Like, I want to start, and we're like, whoa, I don't know if that's such a good idea, dad. You know, so he's just, he doesn't, you know, I think some people have the mind and some people don't. And it really put my parents' relationship in a real tight place. And I remember I didn't connect it back then, but there was a lot of fighting. There was a lot of, you know, I remember them, there being a time where I I didn't, you know, they weren't sure if they, you know, they were going to make it. It was a really tough time for them that I'm realizing stemmed from, you know, the money and the, the business. And so it's really interesting that that happened. And I haven't really unpacked what that did, perhaps. I feel like a sense of the need for redemption. I don't really know. And I'm only saying that as, you know, kind of unpacking it right now because... That was never something that came to mind when I like just wanted to like started a business or like it was always about being able to, you know, when I realized in direct sales, I came out of my first sales appointment and I had made, I don't know, $35 in that hour or something like that. So nothing crazy, but I came out of it and I was like, wait a minute, it took me 45 minutes and I made $35 and at the time, you know, minimum wage was like nine bucks or whatever. So I was like doing the math yeah. and I was like, wait a Light minute, goes this goes <laughs> not there was something there. And so from that moment, I was like, this, I have to figure this out. Because all of a sudden, my time was not, you know, it's not tied to something. And so that for me was what I really I was chasing. But I guess if there is something that's, you know, that's there for me to go back on or some trauma to, you know, to you know, work through, it would be like, you know, some redemption or some need to write that because it always didn't sit, you know
1: it's interesting if you think about conversations or any sort of drama that happened in the house or tension when you're a kid you process it differently and you know you have no idea or put it into any context in terms of what's happening at an adult level but now like you have children of your own you're in a relationship and you know it has its ups and downs and are you conscious of you know those conversations with your spouse as well
0: it's weird how similar of like i think the universe almost gives individuals and then perhaps families chances to like rewrite their wrongs right because i find myself and my wife having almost the same exact types of conversations that they were having and it's weird because I thought that we would be in such a different place, and I'm like, I'm not my parents, and I'm not, but so many of the situations and so many of of the challenges are are coming up again. And there is this awareness where I'm like, huh, it sucks, that's interesting. So like, there's just something there that at least we get another whack at it, you know?
1: Yeah, it's interesting to (laughs) think as you move through each of the decades in life, you start to gain the wisdom of you know, seeing things from a different perspective, but also learning from the mistakes you've made in the past and doing your best to not repeat them. And and then realizing, you know, I can only imagine with children also, you're now thinking of like what you're showing them, the model you're creating for them. And then you have to be conscious of like the impact you're having on them as well.
0: Yeah, someone asked me, one of my good friends asked me, actually my best friend from high school, who we don't touch, talk too much a whole lot, but anymore. Regardless, he said, do you, Think about like when you ask a question do you think about like what your answer means like do you think about how that's going to affect him and i'm like yeah like of course like every and my son is four years old and he's the most brilliant four-year-old ever and uh, but he has so many questions and we don't ever want to stoke that or you know diminish that and so we kind we really encourage it but he's got so many questions and it can be really challenging right but also knowing that how you answer that question is going to shape his worldview. and we had a lot of, you know, I don't know if it's a Hispanic thing, it's probably not. It's probably just a a people thing, like a lot of cousins and uncles and even parents who would just say stupid stuff that would to mess with the kid's head that would actually like screw it you know, like something like, "Oh, if you eat a watermelon seed, it's going you're just going to grow a watermelon inside of you." like something so harmless like that. But my daughter, she's three, she came home and she was freaked out that a watermelon, you know, and granted it's silly, it's funny, whatever, but those types of things, you know, maybe the watermelon seeds is harmless, but those, there are are examples like that where your words are crafting people's worldviews, right? Take it back to podcasting, like that's happening at even a grander level, right? Where our the conversations that we're having are actually shaping how people are thinking which is actually impacting how people are acting out in the world, right? And that can go a good, really good way and be used for good or not. And so, you know, to bring it back to podcasting, I think it, it speaks to the power of that, right? And the importance of of being intentional with words.
1: Yeah, it's so interesting what's happening, and how this medium has made it possible to really go deep on any subject that you're interested in. You know, I think joe Rogan show broke new ground in terms of like the availability to let people just sit and talk for three hours like nothing had like that existed i grew up in the era of like a snippet on a news channel and i grew up in the era of like there's three major networks like abc nbc and cbs and then fox came out and like whoa fourth network that was a big deal but <laughs> but you don't if you wanted to learn about something, you would have to see like, whatever was presented in a presentable snippet format. And now, like, if I wanna learn about like, what Elon Musk thinks, I, I can hear him talk for three hours on a show. And I'm just like, and you can form your own opinions about what you think after the fact. But I think we're living in like, a, this golden era of like, information accessible through this medium to hear things from people in like, their own words.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think that the podcast medium is going to go down as down with the printing press right like right alongside and i don't know what technology whether you give it the rss fee or where you know where you put that but the effect of these conversations is untold right we don't we haven't seen the sample size because these conversations they're not just impacting today next week i mean they're going to be creating ripples for decades generations right and so you know hundreds or thousands of years from now if we don't get hit by a comet right we're gonna look back at that at this time as the moment you know and where even maybe the printing press is a smaller blip right but these conversations right because i think there's something that happens when you read like what you said something in a presented format right and it's a lot of times it's let's call it on the extreme version it's doctored right you know there to some degree it's presented right like you said edited and maybe doctored or manipulated, you know, on the extreme levels. But when you have a conversation, all of a sudden there's two perspectives, right? There's two points of view that's coming. And that's not like even before, right, you could watch a 60 minutes or you could watch, you know, these things. But similarly, it's a very scripted, edited, you know, even doctored perspective to give you the the point of view that the people who are making it are trying to give. What podcasts are really allowing, and you're seeing it with, you know, and granted, once again, you think whatever you think about them, you think you're seeing it with the Andrew Tate thing, you're seeing it with, you know, Elon Musk, you're seeing it with these people where they're able to actually come on, and you're not getting the bite-sized version, you're getting 45 minutes, the hours, the two hours, and you're like, dang, like oh, they're kind of making some good points here, like, you know, as opposed to if you're only getting the soundbite, if you're only getting the 60 seconds, or you're only getting the press release, well, now all of a sudden, you're not able to make a, a rational decision. Right. You're kind of you're being given your you're being told what to think as opposed to these conversations that are allowing people to to at least make their own judgment, at least more so than before.
1: So podcasts appear and as it relates to people thinking about their own show, because this is a show for podcasters about podcasters. What have you found that's been working? Because a lot of the challenges when people get started is about the tech stuff. What to use, Mike, all that sort of stuff. Interviews, we've talked about all that stuff. But given that your show is called Marketing Your Podcast, you know, how are you, what are the conversations you're having with folks specifically about, A, the challenges of marketing your podcast in this world that we live in of just overwhelm, constant overload of everything on social, flying I mean, I think the life cycle of a tweet they said is like a minute or something like that. So, you know, there's so many things and so many different channels when it comes to marketing your podcast. And so I'm wondering what you've been seeing that's working, what guidance you're giving clients and how people should be thinking about it. Once obviously once they've done the hard work of getting the show up and running.
0: Yeah, interestingly enough, and maybe it's not news, but the best way that we found to market a podcast is by marketing it through other podcasts. I believe her last name is Sharma. Shreya and Lauren Passell have a newsletter, podcast marketing newsletter. I believe it was on a couple of editions ago. They had a quote that said something to the effect of, it's not your job to convince people to listen to podcasts so they can listen to your show, right? It's your job to convince other podcast listeners to listen to your show. And I thought that that was a really good distinction because so much of what I have realized and found over marketing shows for the last however many years, is that it is very challenging to pull people from another platform onto your podcast. Does it happen? For sure. But if there's a percentage of people, it's going to be much smaller, right? You know, if you're, I don't want to get into math here, but more people are going to come over from a podcast than are going to come over from your Instagram posts or your tweet or your LinkedIn or whatever. And so if that's the case, and if most podcasters, most, are limited with regards to their budget in terms of time and money, then that means that they're probably better off spending their time collaborating with other podcast hosts then worrying about posting on social media as much, right? And I'm not to say that, you know, you shouldn't post on social media, but if you had to pick one or if you had to weigh one over the other, I would say that creating those collaborations is a lot more, going to be a lot more fruitful. The challenge with that is that it's much easier to just write a couple of stuff, you know, write a tweet and hit the tweet button. Whereas these collaborations, they take time, they take relationships, they take research. They take some thought, some, some caring, some humanness, right? There's, And it's not even something that you can, and it's also not really something that you can outsource or delegate or, you know, so it's something that someone has to put their, you know, intention towards or intention behind. But I think that when someone realizes that their best resource is other podcasters, and they also realize that in the ways in which they can collaborate are much simpler and easier than they realize. And so just to cover a few, and I don't know how many of you covered on the shows, but I, I think that one of the things that's really working for me on a variety of shows, including mine, is interview swapping. And that is, you know, it used to be really common to say, hey, and invite another person on your show. But what we're encouraging people to do is to invite them to swap. Right. And so, you know, I know, Harry. I think that you'd reached out and offered to you know have me on your show. I would love if you'd give me the audio. I'd love to put it on my feed as well. So that way we can get some people onto your show and, and vice, like that same kind of thing where, you know, there's some mutual, you know, mutual benefit for people. So that's interview swapping. If someone is not in like an interview show, it's been called a really terrible term called like feed dropping, which is, you know, what they call, I guess, like how they feed cows. So it gets like, so there's some confusion with that term. So I think it's just we need to change the name as an industry, but that's even easier where you give me your episode and I'll give you mine and you put mine on yours. So it's a swap, right? And more people I think could benefit from experimenting and trying that. I think a lot of people have a hesitation because they're like, it's my feed or what about my listeners or whatever. You're overreacting. Just calm down, chill out, try it. And you know, come back afterwards. If everybody leaves, well, then it's like, you know, I doubt that that's going to happen because we've seen it happen time and time again with shows. Now it's got to make sense. There's right ways to do it. And then
1: even promotion swaps. Have you found any uh, platforms that make it easier to do that?
0: You know, there are some out there and I don't want to, I don't feel comfortable shouting any out or, you know, promoting any. Uh, No, I think that, you know, the Try. There are a lot of them work. You know, there are some that are better than others and, and some that are getting better than others. But I think that just connecting with other podcasters, right, whether it's on LinkedIn or Twitter, or you know, going to meetups or mixers or things like that, obviously conferences and stuff like that. That's where I found is going to be the quickest way because, you know, you're actually able to meet people. And then the last thing which I didn't mention is just promotion swaps, right? Which is, you know, I read an ad on for your show on mine and you read an ad for my show on yours. Or you, you have the trailer at the beginning or end or something like that. But there's a lot of different ways to work with other shows to grow each other's audience. And even people who are newer and have, have only 25 downloads. There's another person who's only got 25 downloads and you guys can work together to get each other to 40 you know, each, and then you try it again and you find someone else who has 40 or 50 and you get to 80 and you can kind of stair step your way up to, you know, bigger and better shows and more and more downloads.
1: Yeah. I think it's one of those things that podcasters need to be reminded of this idea of continuous improvement. I call it like the 1% better every day. And just having that mentality of just like, I subscribe to like, you know, Lauren's newsletter. And I'm, I always track what Ariel's talking about on Twitter because she's marketing a genius on Twitter as well. And I've, she's been a friend for a while now. So I think it's really looking at the things that are helpful. Alex Sanfilippo service pod match is really great for matching you up for which you want to be a guest or a host on shows and testing these things out. And like you said, there is no silver bullet, but I think if you are serious, if you have a vested interest, this is not the type of thing you can really farm out to someone because you know as much as someone could be the face of your show and try to represent it, there's nothing like you having a genuine interest in saying, hey, you know, I'd be willing to like do a swap because I think there's a, a synergy between our shows. And I think it's just wanting to do it and seeing it as something you're just going to be doing for the life of your podcast if you're serious about growing it.
0: Right. And it's, that's the hard part because we work with a lot of clients and we do their shows and they're like, well, what's next? And it's like, well, <laughs> anything that's next is going to require you. And part of the reason that they hire us, they don't have to spend time on on it and challenges is that yeah a lot of this does require the time or the actual you to do it but the good thing is is that a lot of indie podcasters and new podcasters have more time than money and so with that being said you know i almost you know there's this weird balance of how much time do you spend producing content or you know promoting your content and and i think that it's a weird balance that might and should evolve over the the course of the show and and perhaps at the beginning there might be more need for promotion than production or vice versa i mean i think every show is kind of different but realizing that there are different needs and the whole build it you know publish it and they will come thing it's just it's not there and then even the whole you know there used to be a chance that you could do it and and launch yourself into the new and noteworthy and it's like even that i don't know yeah
1: it doesn't really do what it used to (laughs) i'll tell you that much
0: (laughs) So yeah, there's no, there used to at least be one silver bullet. It was like, at least if you could get in the new and noteworthy, like, you know, at least that, but now there's no, it's like, how do we launch? Like, well, we just got to, we got to start creating good content and start telling people about it. And then we got to do that every week.
1: So a couple of questions as we wrap up, what's something you've changed mind about recently?
0: I have become much more open to the fact that there are, there's not one size fits all for podcasting right? That I used to come in and think, here's the prescription. Here's how you launch a podcast. Here's how a podcast should be. Here's the right type of format. Here's the right way to do it. And what I realized is that there's so many flavors and nuances and genres and formats and reasons and whys and motivation. And there's so many different variables to podcasting that it would be disingenuous and unethical to tell anybody that my way is the right way. And so, you know, some people might, I don't know what you would call it, you know, people who talk about podcasting or trying to give podcast advice or whatever, right? And I think that there are a lot of people who say, this is the right way, that's the wrong way. And I am more of the there are these ways that you can do this and you have to find which one is right for you. And I can't tell you, right? Like I even feel uncomfortable suggesting to people things because so much of what you do in podcasting has to come a personal conviction to it, right? in the sense that I could give you a great show format. I can give you some awesome questions. I can give you some cool segments. We could do all of these what would be cool things, but if you're not into it and you're not behind it, then it doesn't matter, you know? So that's the safe answer.
1: Yeah, there's something about the podcast hosts Enthusiasm level because that comes through that's the the beauty of this medium and the fact that it's sound and you get emotions you get energy, you get excitement and you can hear it like even with your eyes closed and you listen to the podcast you're like oh this this person's having a good time like and this <laughs> these guests are having a good time and they're having fun and that translates you know to the listener and I think that's a great point what's the most misunderstood thing about you
0: people do think I'm extroverted like people would think that i'm at least after, you know, seeing me in a lot of places, and that's just because I've, it's interesting that my parents came up a lot, but they're great people, but that's just because they don't know my mom, and my mom is, she's the most extroverted person I know, and she knows how to, I don't know, she's one of the most socially adept people to where no matter what organization or community she gets involved with, people are like, oh my goodness, you're Jenny's son? <laughs> oh my goodness, we love her. Well, like, And I'm just like, what? Why? You know? And of course, I love my mom. She's great. She has the kids today. She's actually a fantastic grandma. And I'm I'm so grateful for her. I'm only saying that in jest. But I was really fortunate enough to be forced around a lot of people so that have enough training and enough acting skills so where I can, you know, put on enough social acumen to not look, you know, socially inept. But under the surface, I am... Beating a miles a minute, and as soon as I can, I'm going to take a nap because it is, you know, being around people is just, you know, emotionally exhausting, you know, energetically.
1: It's a really good point, because, and I think it's something that doesn't get talked about a lot. I think I used to think that I was more extroverted than I've come to realize as I get older than I am, because, and I've noticed that, you know, COVID really changed things dramatically. A lot of people were forced back indoors, and, and I think they realize the importance of like having time to themselves. And now I'm what you would call, I guess, a situational extrovert. I'm fairly extroverted when it comes to conversations like this. Cause I'm just like, yeah, let's talk. And cause I know like we can have, and I, we can each have our downtime afterward. And it, there's not a lot involved. Like we don't have to get in a car. We don't have to go to a bar. Well, I think we don't these to, conversations like, are you... <laughs> different though, right? Like I, yeah. there's
0: kids at the, you know, we run into kids at the park and I see some of the parents there and I'm like, oh geez, am I going to have to talk? about nothing (laughs) with these people, you know? And it's like, that is so hard for me. But all of a sudden, if they had a shirt on that was like, here are the topics that I like to go deep with, and we could have a 45 (laughs) minute conversation right here, you know, on the monkey bars about, you know, podcasting, (laughs) or extraterrestrials, or, you know, whatever, right? Well, then, yeah, perhaps that would change things. But otherwise, superficial and surface level stuff is, you know, challenging. But this is, you know, and granted, I might lay down on the couch after this conversation because <laughs> I've been going so fast, but these, you know, fuel me, right? And I think that that's a big part of podcasting is you have to do something that's fueling because it's so intrinsically motivated, you know?
1: Yeah. I hear you. Yeah, there's something about that energy exchange. And also, like, I love conferences. I love those two or three days I'm hanging out with my podcasting peeps or I've been attending like indoor farming conferences now for my second show. And there is something fun about the energy there. But that, I tell you, man, like when I get back home, I'm just like, I'm ready for like getting back in hibernation mode and just kind of recharging it because there is something about especially if you're empathic or you're intuitive or, you know, some people are take on other people's energies more than others. And that's a real thing. And I think now that more people are having those conversations, like that's a real thing. And there's energy vampires. There's people that suck your energy and you just don't want to be around them. And all this stuff is real stuff. And I think we're becoming more more aware of listening to our inner guidance when it comes to figuring out like, where's the best use of our energy and how do we want to use that effectively?
0: Yeah, I've had to delete, you know, a big, like I don't have Instagram on my phone anymore. I had to put at limits and screen time limits on my. They don't have it on my kids actually. I should don't kids, but I have it on my phone for YouTube and Twitter because those. It's for me. It's not a lot of times people because I'm pretty. I guess I'm pretty introvert and I keep a small circle anyways. And I'm naturally. I've already done that. I've already cleaned out all the people that are, you know, energetically just not right for me. But for me, it was the content that I was consuming. And especially with short form video, where you don't know what's coming behind the next thing. And so you're just, um, I'm like, it's this interesting thing on in emotions, right? Because you just, you feel your emotions going like this in this, and I'm like, I'm getting angry. I'm why am I sad? You know, it's like, and you're just getting in this emotional turbulence because you're swiping and not knowing you know, you have no control really over what's behind it, and uh, but it definitely has an impact on you, right? Even if you don't, you know, feel it or you know are not conscious of it immediately.
1: Someone's friend of mine, KP, who uh, I've known through Twitter and through a program I was in for No Code, he said he posted on Twitter. He said doom scrolling is the new cigarette smoking.
0: Seriously, it's bad, and you can get sucked in. You know, for you look up and you're like, it's been 14 minutes. And I've been sitting, you know, i had stuff to do. Ten minutes ago.
1: <laughs> well, hopefully, people get value out of this conversation and they feel energized as opposed to drained, because I think you know we're coming in with high vibe intentions. So I appreciate. Do you, you have a minute to talk on as that? that? Well,
0: because I think I, that's, that's one last yeah, thing. Yeah, of course. Is yeah, I think with podcasting, it's this. It is this unique savior, right? Because I saw someone say. You know, podcasting, I think it was in an Ashley Carman interview, I'm writing for Bloomberg now. And it talked about, like, this the the life cycle of podcasting and how there was a lot of hype, you know, a couple of years ago, and now we're kind of going into this, you know, consolidation phase or, you know, I think she called it, like, reality check kind of phase. And someone said, you know, is podcasting, like, all it's up, is it a top shelf kind of thing or is it just like a, a medium, you know, like, eh, kind of thing? And I thought that that really... Short sighted because I think that, and this has been a conversation on LinkedIn a bit with the depth to which a relationship happens with a creator and how that differs on different platforms, right? If you think about, let's say it takes to get to 10, right, to get somebody to buy or join a group or join a community or donate to whatever, whatever someone's goal is with their creator, right? How many posts, how many Instagram posts does someone have to go through to hit that level, right? How many TikTok videos does someone have to watch? How many of these superficial surface level engagements does someone have to have before they hit that, you know, kind of like that, how many licks does it take together at the center of a tootsie rule? Like, it's gonna take a lot more of those Instagram, TikTok, all those kinds of interactions. Whereas with a podcast, I mean, we've had people, I have clients where they go on a on a show, on a 45 minute show and sign, you know, tens, thousands of dollars of contracts from that 45 minute relationship that was built and so i think it's really short-sighted for people to not see the value of the depth that comes with you know listening to these these shows and it's not apparent right because you can't see the comments there's no public facing oh this episode was listened by to this many people and you know there's you don't see that like you see on an instagram post or a tiktok you know video where there's all this public social signaling that but that doesn't happen in podcasting
1: there's something about the nature of the two-way conversation, because those earlier examples that you gave, it's all just one way. They're just throwing stuff at you like, here's my Instagram feed, you know, here's my social post, you know, watch this YouTube video. And, and so you're just left with the impression that they want to present, the, the face that they want to give you. And there's something, you know, like we talked about earlier with the longer form conversations, it's hard to BS when you're having a back and forth conversation and you can hear and you can sense, you know, that these people are are genuinely interested in like engaging with each other and want to like really connect. Well, if folks want to connect with you and learn more about what you're up to, what's the best way for them to do that? So
0: the show is called Marketing Your Podcast. Depending on when this comes out, it might be rebranded to Podcasting Success Secrets which is also the name of my, to make it more confusing for you guys. If you guys want to go on LinkedIn, I have a newsletter that comes out every week. By that name, Podcasting Success Secrets. You can find me on LinkedIn, Hector Santisteban, or on Twitter at Hector underscore Podcasts. So wherever you're at, come find me.
1: Well, Hector, thank you so much again for reaching out. I'm glad we got to connect. I know we were only engaging on social now, but now we got to, <laughs> to have a real conversation, which is really awesome. And it's just why I love the beauty of podcasting to be able to have those connections and just build those relationships. And hopefully we get to hang out at an upcoming podcast conference soon.
0: Yeah, looking forward to it.
1: And, I, and you owe me a, a tamale too, by the way.
0: I do. I, there was none left, I told you, but when, if and when there is any, I will have one for you.
1: All right, brother, man. Have a good day. You too, man. Thanks again to Hector for coming on the show. Always appreciated. Full show notes available at podcastjunkies.com. Intro and outro music composed by Cedar and Soil. cedarsoil.com for his full list of music. Don't forget to check out our sponsor right and their awesome line of gear, specifically the new Vocaster line. And you can learn more at podcastjunkies.com forward slash Vocaster. Podcast production and marketing provided by Fullcast. Learn more at fullcast.co to see if a podcast is right for your brand or business. Tune in next week for my conversation with Dan Cumberland. He's the host of the Meaning Movement and he was referred by a friend to be considered as a guest on the show. I'm really glad I took advantage of that introduction as Dan and I had a really deep and meaningful conversation and I can't wait to share that with you next episode. If you've made it this far, you're no doubt looking for this week's retention hashtag. Let's go with Front Row Hector. That's Front Row Hector and you can tag him at Hector underscore podcast and us at podcast underscore junkies. Thanks for all you do to support the show. Talk to you next week.